Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Drew, we had a really great time uh, last week getting to chat with our national champions at Harvard College. I really enjoyed our conversation with Travis and Stella. But of course, uh, Harvard was one of the 48 teams at the national championship tournament. We have results from both the Stressman division and the DOS division. Uh, and so, of course, we had to get back on the mics and discuss all of those results at nationals. And I am looking forward to digging into everything. I'll, I'll do my best to offer some insight as someone who was there coaching a team. But I am just looking forward to getting into all of this uh, information and just talking about nationals. Before we do that, though, I know we're in the midst of a busy time of year for you. So how are things going? Well, I actually, you know, it's funny, I didn't even mention this to you, Ben, um, before we started it, but I do have a important announcement, and that is that I will be doing law school mock trial next year. I just recently made the Tulane team. Um, unfortunately, the 1Ls aren't allowed to compete, but we have a basically tryout or an argue on at the end of the year, and I just last week heard that I had made the team. Um, so I'm very excited. I look forward to entering the world of law school mock trial. I have heard that it might make me rip my hair out, but uh, at least I'll be back arguing and getting to do that. And I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about come next year. But on the note of nationals, I mean, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it. Um, what Ben is alluding to is the fact that I have my final exams next week. And if you haven't been a 1L, then you've probably heard someone complain about life as a 1L, and it sucks. So this is not a fun time for me. Um, but uh, I do enjoy getting to talk about it a little bit, and I definitely had a ton of people that I knew that were competing, and everything I heard was very positive, and people were excited. And the little bit of the final round that I was able to watch was uh Hard to hear, but seemed like it was good. So I guess there's that. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to breaking this down with you, Ben, and uh, definitely just excited to kind of have a have a finish that feels a little more satisfying in person, all that stuff. Obviously, you know, last year's end was very exciting for you guys, but um, I'm glad that the community as a whole got to come together, got to be in person. And I just think that that's... Uh, it feels like we're back to normal to a certain extent. Yeah, I really couldn't agree with you more about getting to finish the season uh, all together in person. As we mentioned on the Harvard episode last week, uh, closing ceremonies was a, a tad bit chilly. Um, they, <laughs> both opening and closing ceremonies were uh, at uh, Clipper Magazine Stadium, which is a, a independent league baseball stadium in Lancaster. Uh, opening ceremonies, it was beautiful and sunny and absolutely picture-perfect weather for an outdoor ceremony. Uh, closing ceremonies, it was quite cold. And so I think that that, like, I won't even say put a damper on things, but it definitely, I don't think it it unfolded quite the way that maybe Grant and the committee were imagining or hoping or hoping that it would, but it was still a lot of fun just to be there, to be amongst friends and to get to, uh, you know, have people hand their, have their trophies handed to them directly. Uh, I think it was definitely a successful uh, event and a successful nationals. So uh, we have some other thoughts on the organization of nationals that we'll get to a little bit later in this episode. Uh, but I think for now we want to start by going through each of the divisions uh, so, Drew, I think, are we starting with the Stressman division? I think that's what we decided. 
Yeah, go ahead and start with Stressman. And before you do, I will just say that if Amped ever decides to host in New Orleans or go back to L.A. or go to Miami or something like that, I I just I don't know why, but I have a feeling that all the judges, all the competitors would really appreciate it. And if it's going to be outdoors, I think that the uh, the problem that you are discussing would no longer be a problem. Yeah, I mean, if if Amta ever decides to, uh, I feel like what Amta would do is they'd be like, "We're we're hosting our national championship in Miami," and then be like, "It's it's Ohio." Ohio. <laughs> like, come on, guys! Like, I Miami is great, <laughs> right? So I'm like sitting here like buying sunscreen and right. Hawaiian shirts, and they're like, "Oh, we're going to Ohio. It's going to be 40 degrees." Nice, like, nice. Okay, all right, fair enough. I guess they did host in Des Moines for like 30 years, so. Uh, but yes, you make a very fair point. I think the, they, they rolled the dice with the outdoor ceremony and one out of two isn't bad. Um, and it was a, it was a fun event overall. Uh, but we will come back to a few thoughts related to nationals in, uh, several minutes. For now, though, we want to talk about some results. So we're going to start in the Kent Stressman division. For those of you who are not familiar with Kent Stressman, he is the law professor who actually designed TAS, which is that absolutely incredible online system that we all used for the last year and a half. Uh, did a really remarkable job with that and making virtual mock trial a lot more accessible and not making all of our regionals judges have to try to figure out Google forms, <laughs> uh, which many people struggled with. So uh, certainly an uh, appropriate person to have a division named after them. So starting in the Kent Stressman division, I think you're familiar with the winner of this division. That would be uh, Harvard University. They had 11 wins and a CS of 30 and a half. In second place in this division was UCLA with nine wins and a 26 CS. After them was Georgia with eight wins and a 26 CS. Then we had uh, a tie at fourth and fifth. You had fourth was Patrick Henry A with seven and a half wins and a 28 and a half CS. And then right behind them was UC Berkeley with seven and a half wins and a 22 CS. Sixth place was Howard University with seven wins and a 26 CS. Seventh was Florida A with seven wins and a 24 and a half CS. And then eighth was Northwestern, seven wins and a 24 CS. Ninth place was Tufts B with seven wins and a 23 and a half CS. And then 10th was Wash U St. Louis, seven wins and a 21 and a half CS. So we had that giant group of five teams at seven wins there to round out the second half of the placements. And then finally, we had four honorable mentions here. Six and a half wins, we had the University of Wisconsin. And then six wins, we had Boston University, six wins and a 27 CS. Then we had Miami of Ohio, six wins and a 24 CS. And finally, Juniata, six wins and a 20 CS. Obviously, there's a lot to break down here in the Stressman division. We're not going to dwell for more than a couple seconds on Harvard because we've literally done an entire episode on them. <laughs> but it bears repeating just the absolutely incredible juggernaut path that they had to go through in order to go 11 and 1. If you want to hear more analysis on that, you should listen to last week's episode because we got a chance to chat with Travis and Stella about that. Uh, so UCLA takes second. They were 6-3 and three going into round four. And then they played UVAA. And in just about the closest round that you will ever see, <laughs> they went plus one, plus one, plus two uh, to sweep UVAA and jump into second place. So this was a very, very impressive showing by UCLA, but they weren't really in final round contention because I think either Harvard or Florida would have almost certainly been the teams going to the final round. Uh, speaking of Florida, they were the only other team 
uh, in round four, who was really in striking distance of Harvard, uh, and they were playing each other, and Harvard swept Florida, which knocked them down to seventh, but Florida had an extremely impressive weekend as well. Uh, and then just taking a couple other notes here, I guess sort of to round out the top five, uh, Georgia, a team that we talk about not infrequently on this podcast, uh, they didn't make it to nationals last year, so to come roaring back to not only make it to nationals, but take third in their division with a very impressive weekend uh, seems to suggest that good things are going on at Georgia and we should keep an eye on them. Uh, Patrick Henry A takes fourth at seven and a half. We've talked a lot about Patrick Henry. We scrimmaged them before nationals. They were absolutely incredible. Not surprised there. And then Berkeley, uh, seven and a half wins to round out fifth place. You know, Berkeley, I think, had a little bit of a disappointing Nationals last year. Uh, I remember when we talked to Gerbier before Nationals, you know, I think their goals were on big things last year and it didn't work out for them. So just a really, really impressive top group. Uh, Drew, I'll sort of toss it over to you now. What else stood out to you in the Stressman division? Well, I think you really hit on a lot of the ones I was going to mention. I think that, you know, obviously at the top, Really impressive out of Harvard, out of UCLA, and I like what you said about Georgia. I will add that Patrick Henry, um, you know, they really were the only team that was within striking distance of Harvard in terms of if they had won their whole round and Harvard had dropped one, then it would have been Patrick Henry at the end. Um, But, you know, Patrick Henry has a tough opponent in UC Berkeley. They split it right down the middle with a win and a tie each. And uh, Harvard sweeps, so that's that's that. But yeah, I mean, I think that the top half of this one was a lot of teams that we were either expecting um, or just they've been really good for a while. But the sixth place team here is one that I've just found so interesting this year, and that's Howard. And the reason why I think Howard is so interesting to me this year is that they they kind of like there were a lot of question marks around them going into regionals. They like barely make it to orcs. I feel like as we remember, as we recall, I think it was like their, their D team or something that actually their C C team team, on an open, right. Their C team got the open bid for them. And if it wasn't for that C team, they weren't even going to be going. Um, which I mean, that's shocking. Like Howard is so good. You, you know, that was startling. And then they go to orcs, and they have a good showing at Orcs, not like a crazy good showing, but a good showing, and they make it through to Nationals. And then they come out here and get sixth. And to me, it says a couple of things. The first thing it says is that when you're really good, at a certain point, what's coming is going to come. And even if you got you know an unlucky you know round in regionals or whatever else, eventually the tides will turn and you will be recognized for being the solid team that you are. Um, the other thing is that I I think just as a general thought on nationals, I think between only having a short prep and an in-person mock trial, it really lended towards teams with a lot of institutional knowledge. And that doesn't necessarily always have to be from a coach, but I, I just – I think that there is something to be said about a team like Howard that has been to that stage so many times before, whether it's through their alumni or through their coaches. They have a lot of people that have been there that know what it's like to prep a case in that short amount of time, that know what it's like to prep it in person. And I think all those things really do weight towards those programs that have been there a lot before that have been successful. We'll talk about UVA later. 
Um, but I think, you know, their A team didn't have the best showing here. Um, didn't place again, you know, Ben talked about that, that last round with UCLA and how close that was and that being the difference. But, um, you know, th- those teams that have just been around for a little while, I think really had impressive showings. And I think that there's kind of a reason why for that. Um, one other team I did want to mention, and this goes completely counter to that point to a certain extent, is Wisconsin. They were the first honorable mention. They were a team that has never, to my knowledge, ever made it to nationals before. They were kind of a dark horse team. We talked to um, one of their captains uh, after their very, very impressive showing at Orcs, and it was so much fun to chat with him. But it was so great to see them have such an impressive showing to have an overall winning record um, at more than six wins from a very young program from a very uh, fresh to nationals program. It's just so cool, so great for them. And that was awesome to see. Um, But other than that, I do kind of think a lot of these teams are just the the institutional ones we were expecting. The the rest of the award winners were Florida, Northwestern, Tufts, Wash U. Like these are, these are usual names and obviously it's nationals, but you know, those are some of the top teams there. I'm not shocked to see any of them. Um, And I think that that's what we were expecting to see. Um, I will say the one team that kind of maybe let me down a little bit is Miami. And I, I think Miami is, I mean, they would get an honorable mention, but this is a team that just, you know, a few years ago, one, one at all was a, a, you know, champion team. And then the years before that were final round contenders very routinely, you know, in that top, top high, high round four. And I don't know, I feel like Miami, UVA, there were a couple of teams that I was kind of like, I I, I, I was expecting them to have a little bit of a better showing, and then they let me down a little bit. But um, overall, I do think that this was mostly what we could expect, and a lot of just great teams doing great things. And I don't think that I have a ton of thoughts other than that. I will quickly shout out Tufts B. Um, look, Anytime a B team is make is placing is always noteworthy. Um, we talked about the the you know raw job that Tufts had had um, before, but I you know I just think that that program is is really one to to always keep our eye on, and we'll talk about their A team in a bit. But uh, just a very impressive showing out of their B team to have such a uh, you know to have such success. So good for them. And uh, yeah, Ben, if you got any other thoughts, but then if not, we can move on to the other division. Yeah, so one or two other quick things, uh, and then we should move to the DOS division. So uh, UVA A had just a, a quietly brutal schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, their round one was Florida. That was a really, really uh, it was a, it was a uh, twelve eight and two round in either direction. So it's obviously two really, really great teams. And then round three, they draw Miami. Miami manages to get two from them, and then we have the UCLA round. And one other thing that I noticed as you were talking about Miami, I just referenced how close that Virginia UCLA round was. Actually, Miami and Georgia played in round four and had the exact same margins, a Mm -hmm. one, a one and a two for Georgia, which is the main reason why Miami uh, took an honorable mention and Georgia is at the top of the bracket. So clearly, I think that shows and this matches with what I saw this past weekend or, or several weekends ago at Nationals, the level of separation amongst the top teams was minuscule right <laughs> when you get into a round with three judges and and like we can talk about grant keener's judges a little later but they don't hesitate <laughs> to tell you what they think and when all three of them basically say yeah this round was essentially a tie and we've got this one team just barely edging ahead uh you know that is just a really 
remarkable thing to note. Uh, so just a couple of thoughts there. You've definitely covered a lot of the uh, the teams that we've mentioned. We had a chance to scrimmage Wash U St. Louis when we got to Lancaster, and they're a very impressive team. Not surprised at all to see them in the top 10. Totally agree about Tufts. Their B team is a lot of fun. They're young. They work really hard. Not shocked at all to see them there. Same with Northwestern, just such a really, really uh, great and strong team. Uh, so yeah, I think my sort of last thought on this division is uh, you were right to notice that Patrick Henry was kind of one of the only teams that had like a little bit of a puncher's shot at Harvard if the right results had fallen out the way they did. But this was really, you know, like I remember looking at the cards on Saturday night and thinking, okay, Harvard, Florida decides mm-hmm. who goes to the final, which it did. And it, I th- I'm noting that because we're about to move to the other division where we almost had the exact same scenario where we had the top two teams in that division fighting it out for who goes to the final. We didn't end up having that scenario for reasons that we'll describe when we get there. And I think that that's not to take anything away from any of the teams that were in those rounds, but ultimately like this is what we want, right? We want the two teams who had the sort of the best shot of getting through um, because you had what Harvard was at eight and Florida was at seven going Mm -hmm. into that round. Um, and I think they were essentially the highest teams. I think they were, they had the the best records. And so that ultimately decided who went to the final round, Harvard swept and the rest is history. Look, you know, you're right. And I, I agree that that's kind of, that's exactly what we want. You know, you want to have that Florida Harvard final round, see who wins. If you just take your ballots, you move on. And, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned this because we didn't give enough time to this, but Florida had a very, very impressive showing as well. Um, to get swept in their final round and still place as high as they did is very impressive. And, you know, look, Florida is one of those teams that just, we talk about them every year at regionals because they're the program that gets five teams through regionals. And we often talk about the fact that they seem like a team that is really good at getting two orcs and even pretty good at getting two nationals, but just doesn't, we don't usually see them in the top half of teams placing. They usually will place in a lower half, which to be fair is where they ended up here um, as well. But I just think this is a, a good sign for Florida. They were in that high, high round at the end. And I think that they're really emerging as not just a team that can get five teams out of regionals, but also a team that can be a contender in the final round. And really that's what makes you a, a top program. And and one that, and I think Florida has really become one that has to be in that conversation. Um, The last thing I wanted to quickly say before I move on, just in the spirit of these kind of fun, really close final rounds, um, it wasn't for a a placing spot or anything, but Yale and Cincinnati, who were both, um, had, had tough weekends, had a result that I just, I don't think I've ever seen before. And we talked about the, the one, two, one for UCLA. Um, We talked about the one uh, that, you, that was uh, with Miami. Um, but I, I got to say, Yale and Cincinnati had a plus one, minus one, plus one. And I don't know. I just think the, the fact that the overall differential in the round was just one point um, is pretty crazy. Like that's very, very close. And considering there were no ties in that round, um, I just, I don't know, that that just strikes me as very interesting. I think, uh, you know, sometimes we'll get a few ties in there. 
But um, I think that's about as it literally is as close as you can get without a tie. So definitely a very close round, and just one that I kind of wanted to note because I thought the uh, the results were pretty interesting there. But other than that, Ben, um, I think we've covered this one a lot. And if you're all good with it, I'll move us on to the DOS division. Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead. Well, then I will move us on to the DOS division. And the DOS division is named after Tammy DOS, someone that I'm sure everyone gets a lot of emails from every year. Um, I know I did back in the day. Um, but definitely someone that is worthy of a division, someone that pretty much every team in the country has contact with. So I love that. Um, definitely a... a great person to name it after. And as far as this division goes, um, I'm going to take it from the top. We had University of Chicago A with 11 wins. Um, They were obviously the contenders against Harvard in that final round. Uh, In second, we had Tufts University A with 10 wins and a 23 CS. Then we had Yale A with 8 wins and a 25 CS. Then UVA B with 8 wins and a 22 and a half CS. Then Duke A with eight wins and a 21 CS. Then Georgia Tech A with seven and a half wins and a 25 and a half CS and a 103 OCS. And then just a half point OCS less, Dickinson College with seven and a half wins, 25 and a half CS, and 102.5 OCS. Um, big difference between sixth and seventh, obviously. Uh, but in eighth, we had Stanford University with six and a half wins and a 28 CS. And in ninth, we had Rhodes A with six and a half wins and a 26 CS. And then finally, in 10th, we had American A with six wins and a 26 and a half CS, uh, just beating out our two honorable mentions, which were Patrick Henry B with six wins and a just flat 26 CS and University of California Irvine A with six wins and a 26 CS as well. Um, and there was a OCS tiebreaker between them, but it's honorable mention, so all good. Um, okay, first thoughts. Chicago, Tufts, Yale in the top three. Wow, wow, what an impressive showing out of the three of them. Um, obviously, getting 11 wins from Chicago is just stupendous. Like, that is, look, we didn't talk about it a lot um, because we already spoke with Harvard, but getting 11 wins at Nationals is just really, really, really hard because it's it's already hard. We talk about how few teams go eight no it works. You need to add a judge in, right? And then you don't get power protected your last round. Your last round is against the other team that is almost undefeated, and that's pretty amazing. Chicago was nine and zero going into their last round. They faced Dickinson. Dickinson managed to take a ballot off of them, um, which, by the way, super impressive, considering it's the only ballot that Chicago lost until their, obviously, uh, final round with Harvard. But um, really, really crazy impressive out of them. Um, And then, you know, look, the team that I think everyone is talking about here that is kind of the heartbreaker was Tufts. Tufts got second place last year. Bennett Dembski got second place at, at TBC last year. And where do they end up? second place yet again. And I mean, it just, my heart goes out to them because they are just such a strong, such an impressive program. And going 10 and two is really good. Like that's usually enough. I think in most years, uh, 10 and two is good enough to get to the final round. And just, it, it definitely is disappointing to not get to see them in that final round. Uh, I think a lot of people had them as the, the odds on favorite to win it all. Um, they just kind of had a lot of factors going in their favor, but look, you know, you can only, you know, 
you can beat who you face and that's all you can do. And unfortunately for Tufts, they dropped two in their first round and they swept every other opponent they had. And the ballots weren't all that close, to be frank, but it just wasn't enough. Um, so hats off to Chicago and, you know, heart goes out to Tufts, but uh, definitely an impressive showing out of those top two. Yale, um, I'm not going to talk about for too, too long, other than to say that this is the first time in, I think, seven years that we haven't had Yale in a final round. And that's not that they didn't do well. They got third place. They did really well. And, um, you know, they really, they, they dropped all three in their round against, guess who? Chicago. Um, I mean, again, I think it's just, it, it really is impressive to me when that first place team is knocking everyone off along the way. I mean, they are taking down the juggernauts left and right. The only team that Chicago didn't face, and this is what Ben alluded to, was Tufts. And man, would I have wanted to watch that round. But um, look, very, very impressive out of Yale. Um, and, and, you know, obviously it is probably the only team in the country that can ever be uh, disappointed with that just based on how impressive they've been. But I hope they're not. I hope they're proud of that because that is a really tremendous showing and a tremendous effort out of them. Um, one last team I'm going to talk about really quickly before I throw it to you, Ben, is UVAB. And this is the fourth place team here. And notice that it is their B team, not their A team. UVAB got fourth. And they had a very impressive showing in those ballots. It was not that they were facing bad teams. They faced some really tough opponents and they managed to take ballots anyway. Um, they had a plus 22, plus 20, minus 5. A plus 12, plus 2, minus 3. Clearly, they were dominating their rounds. And the only you know round that they lost was a close round with Stanford, where they go plus 3, minus 2, minus 2. They did not lose a ballot by more than 5. I mean, that is a really, really stupendous achievement out of a B team. Um, so good on them. You know, like I was alluding to before, UVA is UVA. Like They are really good. And I think that they were figuring out how to get back to being UVA um, this year because that is a really impressive showing. Um, I Sorry, I said that this was the last team, but I actually do need to mention one more, and that is, of course, UMBC. Um, ben, obviously, you were there. You lived it. But... You know, you guys are the defending national champs. A good showing, probably not what you guys wanted. Um, not quite uh, the same result as last year, but you know, four, six, and two. I'm again, wish you'd done better, but still, always as we've said before, making it to nationals is an achievement. And you guys had some very close rounds, some very impressive um, wins at times, and I guess you know. Let's hear it from the horse's mouth. What what was the weekend like for you, and what do you see in this division? Yeah, so I'll let's get back to that in just one second. Sure, but I sure. want to do a quick a quick live trivia question. Going back to <laughs> Yale for just one second. Um, so the last time that we had a national final round that didn't have Yale in it was 2014, right? So without looking it up, can you name the teams that were in the last final round that didn't have Yale? Oof. I'm going to give all of our, our audience a chance to answer while I definitely don't think about this. <laughs> I'm not sure. If, I think I would have gotten one of them, but I'm not sure. That wasn't fact, Duke I'm, Rutgers, right? No, that was uh, that 2012. Was, that was 2012. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like it's got to be Harvard versus someone, right? No, because Harvard was the year after because they beat Yale to win their national championship. Right. Damn, 2014. 
Wait, wait, it's wait. Kind of is a that a year? Is it? Was that NYU? No, you're thinking too far back. No, I'm going too it's, far. I don't think you're going to get yeah, it. I'll I'm give not, it to I'm you. not going to give it to me. Tell no. Me. So our national champion that year was UCLA, um, oh. featuring uh, friend of the potty and Lampert. Of course. But UCLA was the national champion. Yeah. Uh, and then the runner-up, and this is the one I definitely would not have gotten, was Princeton. Oh, you're right. You know what? I think I've watched clips of that round. But, oh, that's okay. Well, there you go. UCLA yeah. Princeton. I don't, I, you know what? I'm glad you said it. Cause I was, I was going to get to UCLA. I do not think I was going to get to Princeton. Yeah. Okay. So just thought that was kind of a fun random <laughs> trivia thing to toss in. Like 2014 was a long time ago. And that was the last time we had a national final round without Yale. So going back to what you were just talking about. Yeah. So for, for us, UMBC, obviously defending national champions going into this tournament, number one team in the country, we certainly wanted to at least place. We came close. We weren't able to pull it off. Yeah, of course, that was disappointing. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it wasn't. It wasn't our weekend. We we worked really, really hard. I was happy with how we were feeling going into round one. Uh, it just, you know, things just didn't go our way. Uh, that round one against Stanford was just one of the most fun rounds of mock trial I've been a part of. We had two ties and a loss in that round, and I was not shocked at all to see more ties. Wasn't thrilled. We had a lot of ties in between orcs and nationals, and I'm not really sure you know what that's all about but we played some very very good teams uh we get to finish our our uh tournament against a patrick henry team that we know and really really like uh and so you know uc santa barbara was excellent it was just a a really really uh just it just didn't go the way that we were hoping it would and sometimes at nationals that happens and it's like okay to accept that you know obviously i've talked to my students a lot about it since nationals happen and they're disappointed and they, they wanted to do a little better uh and i get that obviously i was disappointed too but i was really proud of the fact that we got to go to nationals and be the defending national champion mm -hmm. uh at and just have that experience it was a really cool thing myself and my fellow coaches got to accept the reynoldson live at openings and that was honestly a very special moment for me to get to have that opportunity for us to have that opportunity so not shying away at all from the fact that that you know I think people have talked about UMBC as maybe a team that had a less impressive finish than people expected, and that's okay. I think that's a fair thing to say. Going back to the rest of this division for just a moment, totally agree with you about Chicago. Their path was very tough. They swept Notre Dame, swept Yale, swept Georgia Tech, uh, and then took two out of three from Dickinson, uh, and and just a very very impressive showing there. Uh, in terms of talking about that top round matchup, I, I actually pulled back up the photo of the tab cards going into round four. And I, I was, of course, in the room when they were doing the draw. And uh, the way it, it it stacked is actually Chicago and Tufts were put up against each other in the top round. But the round directly below them was Dickinson and American. And they had just played each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and so because of that, they had to solve that impermissible. And the next group down was Georgia Tech and Stanford, who were each at five and a half. So the most, uh, the closest match since your side constrained was to swap Dickinson and Tufts. Of course, that took Tufts out of that top round and took away their opportunity to control their own fate uh, in that regard, which ultimately resulted in them sweeping American and, and getting second. So, yeah, I totally agree with what you said about Tufts. We scrimmaged them. Just a dynamic, fantastic program. And... You know, I will say this briefly about their second place finishes. I understand. I imagine they're disappointed. Finishing second place at nationals two years in a row is remarkable. Mm 
It mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. It is so hard, as we have learned, it is so hard to be in that top group multiple years in a row. It's what makes teams like Yale and Miami and UVA and some of these other teams who do it all the time, Patrick Henry and stuff, make, what's, what makes that so impressive. So just a really remarkable showing from Tufts. Uh, good on Dickinson to take that ballot off of Chicago. Dickinson is a team that is very much on the rise. We've talked about them on the show before. And so not shocking at all to see them do as well as they did. Uh, but certainly like they kind of reminded me their path a little bit of, uh, the Lafayette team Mm -hmm. from 2018 that kind of stormed, uh, I won't say out of nowhere, but it was like their first time being in that high of a round. The difference is they played Miami in round four and Miami cleaned up in that round. Dickinson got a ballot off of Chicago and was the only team who did. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just kind of a noteworthy thing there. Uh, Totally agree with what you said about UVAB, a young, dynamic team. We scrimmaged UVA before nationals and did a round against their A, a round against their B, and their B is very impressive. One or two other quick thoughts rolling through the list here. Uh, We know and really, really like Duke for them to take fifth. Uh, Just not even surprising in the least. They're such a great team. Uh, they have such a great preparation process, and they're so um, professional and dynamic, so not surprising at all. Uh, Georgia Tech, a team that I think not, I think either last year or the year before missed nationals, um, mm-hmm. and so to see them back where they are with that sort of a new wave of talent. Uh, and then I'll mention Stanford. We had a round one against Stanford. It was the first time that I got to see Liz Grant live, and she's pretty phenomenal. <laughs> um, so that was just a – honestly, that was one of the most fun rounds of mock trial I've gotten to watch in a long time because it was just two really good teams going up against each other and essentially fighting to a draw, uh, which is how these things go. And then rounding up the top ten, we have Rhodes, who, of course, wasn't at Nationals last year and then came back and placed so i think you can very much say that i mean Rhodes never went anywhere right i won't say they're back because they they didn't leave but very impressive and then american right to finish off with six wins and win that cs tie break and be in the top 10 a team that not that long ago was was doing this you know in the top 10 top five every year uh they've had an incredibly impressive year uh and just a really really dynamic and strong performance from them so to kind of finish this division off in terms of thoughts, this division was a little different and that you had a couple of teams that were kind of in the hunt for that top round, but it really was Chicago and Tufts who were the main teams. And I think, I hope the folks at Dickinson understand that this doesn't take anything away from them when I say that I think ideally we would have liked to see Tufts play Chicago, not because Dickinson wasn't great, but because those were the two teams that got dealt into that top round. And as a team going back to 2019, you know, we were, we got pulled up into that round against Yale in 2019 because of an impermissible, I don't remember who it was, but we got pulled up into that round. Um, And I know that feeling of being that team of being like, wait, I'm sorry, we're doing what? Like, (laughs) You know, so just a very impressive showing from Dickinson to be in that round and to take uh, the only ballot off of Chicago in those four rounds. I think that's everything that I noticed here, Drew, anything else that you picked up on? There's something I just wanted to talk about with that round, and that's the the specific point differential for spread. Mm-hmm. Because in the Dickinson Chicago final round, it went first for Chicago went plus four, plus three, minus twenty one. And I know we talk a lot about you know we don't want to read in too much about point differentials. Sometimes it's weird. We have talked about the crazy point differentials we have seen this year, but. I, I just I need to hang with this for a second because to me, a plus twenty one against a team that literally does not drop a, another ballot the whole time. 
that is in the national final round. Like, I just, I, I need to understand how that happens. Because <laughs> what a plus 21 indicates is an average of plus one and a half on every single score. That means at least half of your things that you're doing, that judge is saying, you know, they're two points better. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I'm like, I'm just surprised by that because to me, I'm like, I get it. I get when it's a great, great round and you say, I want to differentiate. I think they really handled this one. I'm going to give them a two point win here or there. But like to say that that consistently someone was better and then for them to lose the other two, it just, it's, I don't know. It just strikes me as odd. And I just needed to mention it because I, I couldn't get around that in my head. I mean, when you look at other high, high final rounds, look, we talked about it on the other side. These are plus one, plus one, plus two balance. They're really, really close. What the heck was going on? And I, I don't know. I don't understand. And the other thing I'll just quickly mention with it um, is, is Tufts. The other side of that, they managed to take three double-digit wins in their round four. Um, yeah, that's just crazy impressive. And again, to your point about not getting to control your fate, they did everything they could. They said, you know, we're not going to leave any doubt. We're going to make sure we take these three. And it just sucks that that wasn't enough for them. Um, look, I think that we could spend a lot of time breaking down each and every little detail of this. Um, there was a lot of, of fascinating results. And again, to all the teams that we didn't get to mention, um, look, it is impressive to just be there. Congratulations for making it. That is a huge, huge accomplishment. Um, we we tend to focus on the teams that, that placed. We want to talk about them, about their paths, but that does not take away from any of the teams that made it. Uh, even if you didn't have the best of showings, it is always an impressive thing to do just to make it to nationals. Um I think the closing thing I'll say about this is just to talk about Stanford. I know you mentioned that you guys faced them, but they've obviously been through a lot this year. And um, to see them have such a strong showing, to see them um, perform as well as they did is is really special and I think is really cool. And they're just a team that I, I think everyone had to be rooting for in some way or another. And just to quickly look at some of their results, they did not lose a single round by more than well, actually, they, sorry, they had one loss by eight in their final round with Georgia Tech. But other than that, their ballots were just so close. All single digits, really, really tight rounds, just good mock trial. And um, I'm just so happy for them. They had such a good showing. Um, and to be clear, I, I do think it's a really good showing. Um, and I, I wish I could have watched the round they had with you, Ben, from what you've said about it. It seems like it was a really fun round. But uh, I think that we've covered um, a good number of them. Ben, if there are any last ones you wanted to mention, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, let me echo that last thought, and then we'll we'll talk about a few other things before we wrap up. So I loved our round with Stanford. They're the nicest people. Um, two things that I wanted to mention about them at National. So my understanding from their social media and from talking to one or two of them is that essentially like their alumni like rallied from all over the country and came to nationals. Awesome. And so in our round, I think they must've had 10 or 15 people in the room watching them. Um, I think that was kind of the way it was throughout the weekend. And it was, it was just remarkable, right? It was, it was really touching to be there. It's like, if you had looked at that room, I think, you know, it was myself and my, my fellow coach Whitney and another spectator of ours. Um, right. And you'd said, okay, which one of these teams is from an hour and 20 minutes away and which one is from <laughs> California? You would have gotten it backwards. And that's just a testament 
to what Tom built when he was their head coach mm-hmm. and everything that that he contributed to that program. And and I'll I'll finish with this, which is I I cannot encourage people enough if you um if you weren't there to experience it live to go to AMTA's YouTube page and watch uh, former AMTA president Will Warahay's tribute to Tom at closing ceremonies. It was mm-hmm. deeply, deeply moving. Um, I'm not going to put the audio in here just because uh, you know I want people to be able to choose if that's something they want to go experience. But it was it was a really remarkable tribute to an incredibly just just an incredible member of our community who we all miss very very deeply. Mm-hmm. It was an honor to get to play Stanford at nationals. Uh, and I'm just very thankful that they are a part of this community and that they left nationals uh, with a trophy because they deserve mm-hmm. it. They were phenomenal. They were amazing. They're the best people. Uh, and I just have so much respect for them. So, yeah, that's all of my thoughts on this division, Drew. Do you have anything else or should we talk about nationals as a whole for a few minutes? Uh, as someone that was there, other than it being cold, what else you got for me? How was it? Yeah. So, uh Changing sort of topics from the individual teams to nationals as a whole. I want to offer two quick thoughts on this. Um, so let me preface this by saying that nationals was run very, very well. Uh, it was a successful tournament. The overwhelming majority of rounds were at the Lancaster County Courthouse, which is a lovely facility. Great courtrooms. We had two of our four rounds there, and it was it was great. Holiday Inn that, that most of the teams stayed at was, was excellent. Everything ran pretty much on time. Amter reps did a phenomenal job. I do want to talk a little bit about the dynamic between the host, Grant Keener, and the the hosting committee that was affiliated, uh, at least somewhat, with Elizabethtown and AMTA. So one of the things, so so for competitors, all of the same COVID rules were in place at Orcs as as at, at nationals as as at Orcs in terms of masking. All competitors at all times uh, while competing had to wear. Uh, essentially surgical grade masks or better. So KN95 or N95 or or masks of that caliber. Uh, the judges did not. Uh, and my understanding from talking to a few different people is that was actually a decision that was made by the host and not by AMTA. Hmm. Uh, that resulted in two things. Number one, we had a lot of judges who weren't wearing masks. And number two, it was quite obvious that there was significant tension between the host and between AMTA. If you go back and you watch... Brandon Harper speak at openings and closings. He spoke at length in both ceremonies. At no point did he say the words Grant Keener. He said, our host, our host, our host, several different times. That sure seemed deliberate to me. I have no idea. I've not spoken to either one of them about that, but it sure seemed deliberate to me. And I will say, I'm very unimpressed with the judges not having to wear masks. Um, It is... There is still a pandemic going on. I'm thrilled that we pulled this tournament off safely, and I think that it was the right decision to host it uh, live and in person, and I think that it was a really successful tournament. Uh, If it's the case that the reason that the judges didn't have to wear masks is because basically the hosts said we're not going to make them wear masks and AMTO was kind of stuck at that point, that's a really bad decision on the part of the hosting committee to not require that of the judges. It is like the most basic thing, irrespective of how you feel about masks. Like, I'm sure we played teams or competitors who didn't love the idea of wearing a mask, and we all did it because we were taking care of our collective safety. Uh, Most of the judges did not. And if you have judges, my guess is the vast majority of judges who didn't wear masks would have worn one if they had asked. And if there was a judge who would have refused to wear one, we don't need that person judging. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking that. 
if you come to me, a coach who has no desire to judge at nationals and say, the only way we can get three judges at nationals is if we either have judges who refuse to wear, refuse to wear masks, or we have to bring in some coaches. I'd say, cool, put me in. No problem. Mm -hmm. I would rather that those teams, that my team and other teams have a safer experience. So I'm not trying to like rip on anyone here. Grant, is a is a servant of this community and he clearly gave up an enormous amount of his time and effort and his committee's time and effort to put on an excellent and almost entirely successful tournament that bothered me i didn't like it uh and i think that that is something that hopefully as anta moves forward they think about uh you know i mean again hopefully this is the last time that masks are going to be an issue at a tournament mm -hmm. but we don't know that we really right. truly don't and so hopefully that's something that that doesn't happen again in the future uh, but generally, very positive things to say about Nationals. Had a really nice time. Just kind of wanted to to address that one thing because it's been on my mind. Yeah, look, I mean, I wasn't there, but uh, I definitely agree with what you're saying as far as it's just, I don't know, like the masks thing, like, to me, it's just, it's not that big of a deal. Just, just do it. Yep. Like, just keep everyone safe. And I don't know. I mean, look, I think that we've been dancing this, we've been dancing around this issue all year of like, okay, we don't want to make it a political podcast. I don't want to talk about that. But like, this is coming off the heels now of the recent, uh, not Supreme Court, but district court decision where now you don't have to wear masks on planes anymore. And, mm -hmm. and like, I guess that to me, one of the things about this is that I'm someone who is vaccinated, double boosted, don't have any like autoimmune anything. So yeah, and I'm young, I'm fine. Like, I don't think it's, I'm, I'm not doing it for me, but I understand that there are other people in my community that are not as lucky that maybe do have an autoimmune disorder or any reason why it's a, it's dangerous for them to be around people that aren't wearing masks inside when speaking close in close proximity to them. And I don't know. I just, I think that what is unfortunate about it is that I will just, I, it was a great, awesome privilege to be able to have nationals. And again, if you've never had to host something of that size, let's just agree um, not to criticize how much time and energy and effort is required to do something like that. It's not yeah. easy. And my hat is off to those that, that did spend that time on it. But um, yeah, I just, I agree with what you said, Ben, like if it was an issue of this is the only way to recruit judges, judges aren't going to do it if they have to wear a mask, like disagree, just think we didn't try hard enough. And, um, and that's unfortunate. I don't, I don't love that. I will say the only thing I will say, and this is from the outside perspective of having not been there, um, and I kind of joked about this earlier with loving some warmer venues, but I don't love – I mean, look, I went to school in, in Pennsylvania. Like that would have been great for me to have nationals in the same general location of where I am um, back – not back-to-back -back years because we obviously had two years off. But as far as the last time we had an in-person nationals, it was in Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. And – I mean, it was the same host essentially in Grant. And again, the fact that Grant was willing to do it in such a short um, time, like, thank you, Grant. That is great. But I just would have liked to see us go to another part of the country. That means other teams don't have to travel as much. That means that we're getting to see a different field of judges. 
um, it means we're getting to see some other interesting place. I again think that it was really cool when they had it in L.A. I would love to go out to L.A. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, and while I've enjoyed, while I really enjoyed getting to go out um, to Minnesota, uh, I think it was Minnesota, I think was where I went. Yeah, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a little moment there. Um, yes. I mean, <laughs> Minneapolis was great, but uh, I also would have rather been in L.A. or one of those other cool places. Um, and I just think it's it's fun to change up the venue a little bit. And obviously it is not Philadelphia again. This was in Lancaster. But I don't know. I just kind of wish that we would go to different parts of the country, experience different things, try that. Um, so that's my only thought on it. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I, from what I've heard, um, other than the the mask thing and then the location, it sounds like it was a really well-run tournament. It sounds like things happened on time. Um, and, and look, like, I think the fact that the closing ceremony was held in a baseball stadium, while obviously really cold, is kind of really cool. Like, I think that's a very cool, <laughs> fun place to do it. And having the final round on the mega screen up there, like, that's cool. I think that's awesome. Love that. Wish it wasn't so cold. And I guess I wish people wore masks. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this real quick, and then we can talk about one or two other things as we wrap up. This is these types of conversations are like what this community should be all about, right? Like we we're allowed to do both. We're allowed to acknowledge that Grant and his committee did a fantastic job with the overwhelming majority of this tournament and then also criticize some aspects that mm -hmm. could have been better. Mm -hmm. That that's part of the deal, right? We're not sitting here being like national sucked, it was terrible, it was ruined by this one thing. I think this was a pretty significant mistake to not have the judges wear masks, that doesn't mean that we had a terrible experience at nationals and the entire thing was ruined. It's okay to acknowledge, you know, the little things. I remember in LA, that was an amazing experience. We had an incredible time. The courthouse just didn't have water. None of the water <laughs> fountains worked. Like literally it was like the water was turned off on the weekends. That wasn't ideal. The local Starbucks mm -hmm. ran out of water mm -hmm. in like 20 minutes. And so like, it was, it was like just a little thing in an otherwise phenomenal tournament. And it's always, I think, important to talk about those things. I totally agree with you on the location. Obviously for us, Lancaster is close and convenient. We were there for Orcs. We've been there for Orcs many times. I, I do hope that next year, obviously, of course, we were supposed to be in Chicago in 2020. We talked mm -hmm. many months ago with Devin about how great that tournament was going to be. I do hope that for next year, Amta is looking ahead and planning the 2023 Nationals at a really cool city or, or, you know, a place that maybe we haven't been uh, anytime recently. I just want to say really quickly, when you mentioned that at LA, they didn't have water. I'm just like thinking back to other invites and like when we hosted and when there was only one elevator working at the CJC <laughs> in Philadelphia, like it's just, I mean, it's important to note that Ben, you're so right. Like there, something might go wrong and like, that's okay. I think that, like, we're not out here trying to be like, it must be perfect and to a T. But I think that our, our point is just like, this is something that was controllable. This is something that has to do with safety. And it's okay to say, hey, we should have done better. And I think that that's, yeah, that's the thought. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right. And I think that, that especially in the context of COVID, it's okay to have these conversations and say, I disagree with you know, I mean, look, we had conversations. If you go back and look and listen to our episodes earlier in the season, right? I was before regionals got moved online. 
I was kind of unimpressed with AMTA's COVID protocols that they had originally announced for regionals. Uh, and there were some fall invitationals that I thought maybe were taking things a little bit uh, less seriously than they could have. Plenty did a really, really great job. But just noting that these are the types of conversations that we can and should have uh, as a community. That being said, uh, one other thing to bring up that happened at closing ceremonies is, of course, we got the case preview for next year's case. Uh, <laughs> Sam Jahangir from Chicago, who I'm sure was feeling absolutely no stress or concern, whatever, at that moment as he waited <laughs> for the division results, uh, came up and he and Elise Wilson, who are the new criminal case committee or sorry, the new civil case committee co-chairs. Uh, after uh, Gelf has ridden off into the chairing sunset. Um, <laughs> Make it sound like he died. <laughs> no, Gelf is still very much alive. Friend of the pod, everything like that. Just, just a, I believe he has stepped down from being chair of Civil Case, and it is now Sam <laughs> and Elise who are going to do a phenomenal job. So real quick, I'm going to drop in the audio here. Let's listen to the case preview with a couple of, of uh, familiar voices that you might recognize. Hey, everyone. I am Sam Jahangir, and as Brandon said, I am one of the two co-chairs for the Civil Case Committee. Um, my fellow co-chair, Elise, unfortunately wasn't able to make the trip this weekend. She's missing this beautiful weather that we're enjoying. Um, but she did put together a small video for you guys to enjoy. So if the booth can play the video. Good afternoon, citizens of Midlands. My name is Elise Wilson, and I'm here today with some important breaking news regarding the Rapid River Valley plane crash that occurred last July. Just this past week, an audio clip has been released detailing a mayday call made in that flight's final moments. We have the call here today so that you can give it a listen. Mayday, 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 9 or 8-5 Mike Tango. I'm in trouble. Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. 9 or 8-5 Mike Tango, Rapid River Valley Tower, Squawk 7700 of Abel. Say intentions. Uh, I think I think I'm going to crash. I have no idea where I'm going. I'm going to crash. Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. 9 or 8-5 Mike Tango, negative radar contact, state last known position. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea where I am. I can't see. I'm going to crash. Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. 985 Mike Tango, state last known altitude. I don't know, but I'm falling. I, I think I'm, I should never have. 985 Mike Tango, release the stick and go forward. Help, I'm rolling. Help. 5 Mike Tango, release the stick and go forward and then slowly back. Help, I'm, I'm going to crash. Oh, oh my God. 5 Mike Tango, how do you hear? Rapid River Valley Tower, November 9 or 85, Mike Tango. Rapid River Valley Tower, November 9 or 85, Mike Tango. Do you copy? The Civil Case Committee is proud to announce Felder v. Kohler Campbell Air LLC. We'll see y'all in August. It was so much fun to be there live, uh, listening to that happen, listening to everybody's reaction. Of course, if I think you all probably picked up on it, but that was Brandon Harper and Jonathan Woodward uh, doing the voices in that audio clip. 
who knows what next year's case is going to be like. Sounds like it involves a plane crash in, in some degree, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Sounds like it's going to be a really unique and interesting case. And I have complete and total confidence in Sam and Elise to put together a really fun dynamic case uh, for next season. Can I just say that if AMTA ever decides that they want to follow in uh, Justin Bernstein's footsteps and have a version of the mock review included in the case, that we would be more than happy to actually do an audio recording like that. I think it'd be super fun and just, you know, shouting it out. But um, I, I love that. I think that like having a audio exhibit is going to add such an interesting, fun aspect to this case. I think as we often see when there is some sort of video or audio file, people are probably going to be real sick of it by the end of the year. Like people are going to have it memorized. People are going to be doing it in their sleep and it's going to get old real fast, but it's really fun at the beginning. And it still is a real good opportunity, I think, for teams just just use a different medium of presentation. Like it's just a very different thing. And I think it it's much more kind of real life uh, to a certain extent. In, in real life, you have video footage, you have audio files, you use those things. It's not all just pieces of paper. And I think that's really fun. I always used to really love when we had physical exhibits. I remember from the Dylan Hendricks here, we had, you know, the, the extension cord and, and we literally went out and bought a orange extension cord. I think that when you're able to use things like that, it just adds a, you know, kind of extra dimension to the case and a realness to it that it's really exciting. I think that it being Jonathan and Brandon also is just so funny because um, just, I don't know, something about hearing their voices, I was just getting a kick out of for sure. But uh, definitely really exciting. Can't wait to see what they're going to do with this case. Um, And obviously that's going to be the topic for the summer once it drops and i just can't wait to talk about it i totally agree with you about um like having cases with more than just pieces of paper i actually had a funny moment i was setting up our camera i think in round two at nationals and i realized the extension cord i was using was a dylan hendrix (laughs) i was like i'm sure it just lived in one of our trial boxes and i like found it when we were packing for nationals or orcs or something and i was like yeah, this is definitely like it was I knew nice. exactly what extension cord. I was Wait. like, guys, and I was like going to show my team. I was like, oh, none of them know what this is. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so sad. No. In Wait. fact, most of our listeners are probably like what? Dylan Hendricks extension cord. It's in this case, for y'all who aren't familiar with the Hendricks case, the victim it was an attempted murder case. The victim was strangled nearly to death by an extension cord. And you were allowed to provide your own extension cord. It had to be 10 feet, had to be orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a cool prop that you could use. Uh, in trial and a neat thing to do. Uh, I totally agree with you about audio exhibits. I actually did one this year for the Maryland high school case. When we did case changes before the playoffs, I put in a little audio exhibit. It's something I want to do a little bit more of in the future. And I think that this one, I totally agree. We're going to be so sick of it. I tried the um, Danny Dawson case the last time we had uh, an audio exhibit that we used all year. We were definitely sick of that audio exhibit by the time we got to, to regionals. But it adds an element of realism, like you said, and I think it's going to be a really cool case. I just think hearing you say that you use the extension cord, um, Haverford Mock Trial still has and still uses the briefcases that we got from the Bancroft year. In that you case, you still see those out there. Oh, everyone has them, right? Like, I mean, if if you're a program that has existed since 
that was 2016 yeah 16 17 yeah. so if you Bangkok. if you were a program then then you almost definitely got two briefcases that were both black and at some point in trial you were like look they're the same brief-, you know whatever but um you had that fun moment. I was one of the witnesses that did it. It was so much fun. But we had these two black briefcases. And we carried them around with us, put all, all our stuff in there, and it made us look really professional going into rounds. Um, and it's, it is fun. I think stuff like that that can kind of transcend through the years and go from being evidence to being uh, an important, essential piece of what you're doing for the uh, – for future years is, is so fun and it's a uh, great as an alumni to, to go back and see them using that briefcase and say, ah, I remember the good old days. Yeah. And, and actually this year, you know, we didn't have it for most of the year, but at orcs, we actually had that this year right. because for orcs, they allowed people to use, they put in the black sweatshirt and they allowed people to use that. So hopefully that's a trend. Ben, did you ever, did you guys get the brick? Um, I think it was the Hendrix case. There was a, a literally, you could get a brick as a piece of evidence, a physical brick. We we bought them and brought it to captains, but never we never intended to use it. We just brought it to captains because we thought it was fun. We, we, we did the same that. thing. We had a brick in an evidence bag sitting on our council table the whole trial just because, like, how fun is it to just have a brick on your table? I have no idea where that brick went. Unfortunately, briefcases and extension cords have a lot of utility. Uh, bricks have a little less, but just fun stuff. Sorry, had to reminisce. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure because that year... Uh, we did that and then we did not get to national. So that brick probably got tossed into a dumpster sometime (laughs) on the way out of where else? Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, So, uh, but changing the topic ever so slightly to the last thing we want to talk about before we wrap up. Uh, So we've got a lot of fun stuff coming your way in terms of summer content, but there's something interesting that AMTA is talking about right now. Uh, I got an email uh, about 10 days ago from the one last time committee. uh, And it says AMTA survey on summer tournament. And it's basically a survey asking for feedback. AMTA is considering putting on an online summer tournament competition towards the middle to end of the summer, similar to one last time. However, AMTA is considering limiting that competition to students who were freshmen or sophomores this season, this past season, as opposed to seniors. Uh, And it would be similar to one last time where there weren't any school restrictions. People could compete with teams from other schools. Uh, I don't have a ton of thoughts on this. I have texted with a couple uh, AMTA people about it. It is not something I, I I think I kind of had a similar reaction to it to when I saw one last time the first time. I think, you know, if you listen to the show for a couple of years, you know, initially I was skeptical <laughs> of the idea and kind of came around to it. I think this is fine. You know, like I I think part of the reason that I'm probably ambivalent about it is because it's online, which I understand it has to be, but it's like having just experienced two in-person mm-hmm. mock trial competitions and I coached another in-person one at the law school level, I just really have no desire to go back to doing any semblance of online mock trial. But I understand the goal of wanting to get younger members of the community uh, some experience. So just thought it was worth noting. Drew, do you have any thoughts on on this idea? I do. So I think that the first thing I'll say is that I think that if I were a current junior or senior, I would feel really pissed because I think that that's, those are the two years that really have gotten kind of screwed by COVID the hardest. And like, I think if there was any group that I would target this for, it would be the juniors and seniors, actually. Um, the original one last time that we had last year was just for seniors. And I kind of liked that for a number of reasons. First of all, um, you know, 
a lot of them had their their opportunities taken away um, and didn't get the opportunity to compete um, for a whole year, frankly, um, or sorry, for the whole competitive year, really, for, through Orcs Nationals um, in 2020. But I also just think that um, the, the, I, the fun thing about One Last Time was getting to compete with people from other programs. And I think that's cool. I think that's great. I guess that my problem is that I think that the freshmen and sophomores are the least likely to know and have made friends with other programs. And I'm not saying you, you couldn't have. I mean, I hope that they have. But I feel like it's the seniors, at least for me it was. When I was a senior, that was when I kind of had the both the confidence and also knew enough people that I would have wanted to to do something like this. I think as a younger student, you kind of only know your team Maybe you know a couple of people, but it's just not really the same. So that was a little bit odd to me. Flip side of the coin, I think it's cool to give younger students more opportunities. I think it's great to allow them that chance to compete, to get more experience, to hopefully be able to make it um, to a higher team within their organization or to grow their program to greater heights. So I think that's really cool. I, I, I definitely have... A lot of questions about how this would work. I also agree with you that it being um, online definitely is kind of unfortunate just because I think the experience that those kids need is in-person mock trial. I think that they need to practice that stuff because they haven't been getting to. Um, but I guess that my my closing thought on it is just that more mock trial I very rarely will think is a bad thing. I guess that I just think there are other groups that I think would be more appreciative or, or think maybe that deserve it more, um, specifically the juniors and seniors. And if we're going to do it, I think we should do it for them. But if we're going to, if it's this or nothing, I would rather them do it because I think it can't be a bad thing. Yeah. And what I have been sort of told from people who, who not are involved in planning this, but maybe have talked to some people who have is the general sense is that the current juniors and seniors would likely have little to no interest in a tournament mm. like this okay, fair. because they've now competed most of them for in-person tournaments for a little while now. And part of the reason that that one last time was successful the first year, and then to a lesser degree, the second year was that it was sort of the only, the only way that we could do this. Uh, so I don't know. I'm kind of, am kind of ambivalent on it. I don't think it's a bad idea if they do it. I have a couple students who, who I'll probably encourage to, to do it and, and I'll probably try to coach it and stuff like that. But it's not something that I think I have a, a super strong opinion on one way or the other. So looking forward as we finish this episode up, so we're going to stop recording in a few minutes and then Drew is going to jump right back into studying for uh, his 1L finals. Isn't there anything else we can talk about? I think we can find time, right? <laughs> <laughs> you want to kill a little bit more please, time? Please, please, save me. <laughs> we, we can just keep, you know, tossing in old cases. I can do some more national championship Perfect. trivia. Like Ooh, we can, yes. <laughs> you know, whatever it is we want to do. But um, <laughs> I had to chuckle. I was, when I was editing the Harvard episode, uh, I had to chuckle when we were talking about your experiences against Harvard. And I think it was Stella who was like, like, I'll get Jordan Alston Harmon on the line. <laughs> I and like, it, no. like, I had kind of forgotten about that. And then I was editing the episode and I was like, oh, like, that's kind of a flex. Like, just kind of being like, oh, you're talking about Jordan. I'll get, we can talk to Jordan. Like, I'll get Jordan on. I'm like, oh, that was, that was kind of a curveball there. You know what? I'll tell you what, Harvard, if you guys are listening, I I know I've been talking with my fellow Haverford alums from that team, we will gladly take the rematch. You name the place, we will be there. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait with bated breath for you to hear back from the, the national champions about that rematch. But whoa, whoa, whoa. that was the defense. I'm not facing the 2015 Harvard. I'm talking okay. about 2016-17 Harvard. All right. Fair Let's enough. Be clear. All right. Fair enough. I'm not Fair that enough. arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so after this episode comes out, we'll be off for a couple of weeks while Drew finishes up his finals. And then we've got a lot of really exciting summer content coming up. Uh, a lot of that stuff is the same stuff we've done every summer. I have the good fortune that I'm going to be coaching trial by combat for the fourth year in a row this year with Thomas Azari. So I will be uh, involved in that. So we'll do our usual trial by combat preview episodes. Uh, we're hoping to talk to some folks who are involved in that tournament as usual. And then the Amta board meeting, and this is going to be really tough for me, Drew, I got to be honest with you, but the Amta board meeting this year is in San Diego. Um, and I am going to, you know, as hard as it is, and as much as I don't want to spend time in San Diego in the summer, I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to fly out there and be at the board meeting. I know. Let me me get out my tiniest violin for you. Right. You had to put it away after last week and, uh, (laughs) get it back out, but I will be at the M to board meeting to cover that meeting as well. Uh, and so we'll have lots of content. Um, and then we may or may not be able to do our usual, uh, case analysis episode in August when the uh, case that we've been discussing uh, comes out. So we've got a lot of exciting things working. Uh, Drew, any last thoughts before we wrap this up and you have to go back to thinking about con law? Oh, God. Um, I, the last thing I'll say, honestly, is just congratulations to everyone um, that made it to nationals, that didn't make it to nationals. I think everyone should take a moment to just appreciate the the kind of community that we've built um, and the fact that we were as resilient as we were, that we were able to put on these tournaments, the fact that we were able to have them in person in some capacity is really cool and really special. And I hope, I know we talked so much about it, about how fun it is, about the camaraderie that exists in this activity. But I hope that those that were at nationals got to experience that. I hope those that didn't have that as something to look forward to. Um, it's just, it is something that really changed my perspective on mock trial and on, um, frankly, the law in general when I made it to nationals for the first time and got to experience that. Some of my closest friends were people that I've met through mock trial. I'm going to Las Vegas in a few weeks with my my Haverford friends. I mean, it's just, it's a really special activity, and I hope that everyone is getting to appreciate that. Um so yeah, just hats off to everyone. Great job to everyone that uh, had did so well. And good luck to everyone next year. Can't wait to find out soon what's going to be going on. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Nationals, it, I sort of realized that you know when we were getting there, I only had a couple of people on my team, my three seniors, who had experienced an in-person Nationals before. And I remember, I think it was the night we got there and we were talking about opening ceremonies. And I mentioned the parade of captains and <laughs> they didn't really know what that was. We had done it online, right? But it's not yeah. exactly the same. And like, like they're just like, wait, so what cool. do people do? And like, and it's just, it's silly and and nerdy and like, you know, everybody's like doing their whole thing and making their jokes. But like, it's, it's, it's little things like that, that build that sense of community uh, that were really special to have back at the end of this year. So I totally agree with you. I think that's a great note to close us out on. Uh, And I really encourage everyone to just look back on this season and be thankful for the fact that while it was a difficult season in many ways, and I know that with COVID still going on, the future can look uncertain. We really rallied as a community to put on a great set of orcs and a great national championship tournament. And I think that shows that we have a lot to look forward to 
uh, in the next several months. Thank you, as always, to everyone for listening. Uh, I think this is, uh, what, our fourth season uh, that we've been doing wow. this. Uh, and and it is just a privilege every single year to get to cover Mock Trial and get to talk about it with everyone who comes on the show and listens. So thank you all so much for being such loyal listeners. We are so grateful to each one of you. I can say I am always uh, really honored genuinely and humbled when someone i don't know will come up to me at a tournament and just mention that they like the show or they listen and things like that mm -hmm. so i really appreciate that people pay attention to what we're doing uh drew any last thoughts before we close this out uh, i think we've been rambling for long enough and i'll give people their respite and go back to hating that i'm in law school right now <laughs> fair enough don't want to delay that any longer okay. so uh, be safe out there, everyone. Looking forward to covering more Mock Trial very soon uh, with Trial by Combat and the board meeting and some of the other things that are going on. Uh, so best of luck to everyone moving forward. Until we're in your feed next time, this has been the Mock Review with Ben and Drew.